as you know, most healthcare professionals do stick to healthcare. But sometimes we find a mutant in the world. And I don't want to say mutant too loud because we will get prosecuted. However, this time around, I'm very excited to present another mutant healthcare professional who has decided to do something else other than healthcare. And in fact, she's an entrepreneur and now teaches other healthcare professionals and other individuals how to invest in real estate. And so it is my great pleasure to present to you another mutant healthcare professional. There's a part of me that's like, there's so much more out there that I want to learn. And you asked the question earlier, like, how did you do this mastermind? And, I, you know, I got to tell you, it was reading different books. We as clinicians know how to delineate, we, you know, we're critical thinkers. We know how to delineate literature already. Use those exact same skills and put them in this. So I have become, um, actually, I was the first ambassador for the Smith Maneuver in Canada. I worked with Robinson to put the program together. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Okay, well, welcome back to our show, How Is My Financial Health Doc podcast, and I am your host, Vuket Tran. So I want to welcome everybody back to the show. Uh, this time around, we have a different topic, and I've got with me Julia Pereira, and this is very similar to, you know, the Mayor Culpa series that I've been doing, but the Mayor Culpa series is about, you know, what one financial mistake I have made in my lifetime that I want to share with the audience. And I think Julia has one to share with the audience, but we're not going to talk about it today. What we're going to talk about today is, believe it or not, I have found on in Canada, at least, I probably in the world there might be more, but in Canada, I found another mutant. And what do I mean? I mean a healthcare professional who also does something else outside of healthcare. Uh, and also in the realm of finance. So I was very pleased, very excited. The moment I, I heard about that, I said, Julia, you need to come on my show. And so Julie accepted. So I want to tell the audience why we're doing this. Because, you know, as healthcare professionals, we're trained to do what we're doing. Uh, we're, we're trained to, to master our craft. But a lot of us have yearnings for something else, something bigger than just healthcare. And Julia have done it. So I've said Julia Pereira many times. I want to introduce you. Julia is a occupational therapist and she works in BC. You know, I said to myself when I came to Toronto, I'm from Montreal. 
I should have gone a little bit more west. I don't know why I stopped in Montreal, in Toronto. I should have just gone all the way to BC. Such a beautiful place there. You know, you've got you've got the ocean on one side and you've got the mountains on the other. I, I don't know what else you would need in life um, beyond that. So, Julia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Vu. Thanks so much for having me. Well, what can I tell you? I'm, I'm actually a Toronto uh, born and raised and uh, came out to BC later on in life. So um, I started as an occupational therapist in Toronto, uh, did my studies at McMaster after having completed an undergrad in Kin at uh, York University and did seven years of practice out in um, Toronto and then moved out to BC. And uh, so I've been here since, and I've been in practice for 21 years and uh, continue to practice today. Um, and uh, I come from a European background. My parents are immigrants to the country uh, from Portugal. And uh, so born and raised like, you know, the good old Torontonians in the uh, Portuguese neighborhoods. And uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to kind of have the opportunity to go across country. Um, and be a clinician in both in both provinces for sure. Very good. So, how come you stopped in BC? I know. I know. After that is the ocean, uh, but so why why BC? What happened there? Well, interestingly enough, at uh, one point, I kind of uh, I wanted to do something different. And after traveling in Europe, um, as I didn't do the typical route, most people kind of do it in their gap year or you know, once they're done university, I did it after being in an OT for about four years. So I did Europe in what I like to say style. I didn't go with that, even though it was a backpack trip and I went on my own, it, I certainly had finances to enjoy. And, um, oddly enough, I, uh, came back and, uh, during that trip, I read the book, the secret, <laughs> And I realized that I had to, there was more to it. There was more out there that I could do. And uh, so moving to BC was um, part of it was about just doing something different. And I, at one point thought I wanted to go to Europe um, and ironic, you should say Montreal too, because initially when I graduated, I thought Montreal and I can speak French, but not in medical terms. And so I was going to have to do uh, what they called a stage. And I was kind of like, oh, boy, I really want to get practicing. So um, when time after my European trip, I uh, thought, oh, maybe I can work in Europe. But at the time, my partner did not speak any other language. So um, it would have been a tough transition. And um, we kind of uh, figured, OK, let, let's do something different, somewhere else different. Now that you're in BC and you're still practicing as a occupational therapist, tell us a little bit about your your life as a occupational therapist, your daytime job. What does that yeah, look like? For sure. So I've um so I've been practicing for 21 years. So I've been super fortunate. I went into this profession because of the the diversity of it and the opportunity to work with so many populations. And I've been super fortunate in that I've done pediatrics right up to geriatrics. And uh, geriatrics is kind of where my heart is, and it's where I've ended up in the my practice now. 
So, and I've also done all types of roles. So I've been the clinician, I've been a supervisor, a manager, a director. So I've done quite a gamut. It's been a really fulfilling career for sure and continues to be. Um, when I decided to uh, venture into other areas of my life, which we'll get to, um, I decided, you know, I kind of took some time off and had some time to kind of reflect after being in a job that was quite stressful when I was a director and lots going on and um, probably more overwhelmed than needed. I kind of took some time off and realized, you know, I still wanted to be an OT, but I wasn't sure to what capacity I wanted to be an OT. You know, I, I guess I did what some people might might call a bruise in ego. I went from being a director to going back to being a clinician. What was really important at that time is, is I did a lot of self-development and I did a lot of soul searching and kind of inward looking, which I hadn't spent a lot of time doing in my career. I spent most of my career just like advancing and learning as much as I could and specializing in areas and moving forward. So it was a blessing in disguise um, in that uh, I got through a big accreditation and then uh, had given them my notice and gave them like six weeks. And, you know, it was a great transition out, but it was time to take a break. So in doing so, I recognized that I still wanted to be in some capacity OT, but that I wanted to do something else. And so I started kind of asking myself, what were some of the things that I was interested in before? You know, real estate was always one of them. I grew up in family, immigrant parents who invested in real estate to try to get ahead. You know, I just started, you know, looking at that a little bit. So presently as a clinician, and I'll, we'll speak to that a little bit more, but of course, presently as a clinician, I work in long-term care settings. I am a clinical consultant to a private rehab company. And I basically do clinical, but then um, a greater portion of my role is to be a consultant to the therapist and mentorship. Um, so a lot of provisional therapists who are foreign trained come under my mentorship and uh, yeah, and just kind of introduce them to what it is being an OT in Canada and then also just being an OT in long-term care. Now you're doing mentorship and consulting, but you've also done something else uh, beyond the field of OT, which is real estate. That's right. Um, but you've, you're doing multiple things in real estate. So tell us what those are, because I, I was very intrigued uh, and also very happy that uh, someone was doing that. And I was very happy because you've given me the hope that, you know, we're not just clinicians. We can be more than that. And we can be beyond medicine and science and healthcare. So tell us a little bit what you've done. Perfect. Yeah. So it did start out as investing, uh, real estate investing. So, and I've continued to do that. So the, the very straightforward kind of buy and hold, you buy a property, you put tenants in the property and you hold on to it. Um, the very basic. And that was probably my primary, when I first entered into it, that's what I started with because that's what I knew. That's kind of like my parents had done that. And I used, I was that young kid who on weekends would have to go with them and clean up the garbage. And when the tenants moved out, help paint and this type of thing. So that was kind of what I knew. So I did start with that. As things have expanded, of course, I'm a true educator at heart, and I feel it what, it's what motivates me. And um, also mentorship is big to me. And um, so, yeah, so I've started some few other ventures outside of real estate, it just outside the investing world in that. Um, I, I, actually, it's within the investing world, but outside of being the actual, uh, just doing investing. 
Um, so I've uh, structured a uh, my uh, mastermind for real estate investors who have nine to five jobs. So kind of just like we would learn in school, problem-based learning, it's the exact same thing, but it's problem-based learning around real estate investing. So it's an open forum um, where people join. We keep it quite small because we want to be able to tackle everybody's problems in terms of what they're struggling with. I shouldn't even say problems because if you're in the real estate world and you're investing, that's uh, you know a, a, a wonderful thing to be in. And um, I think we call it first world problems, really. But what we do is we kind of get people over hurdles because, yeah, life's busy. And when you have a nine to five and you're doing real estate, it could be quite challenging. So I'm, a, I'm actually a real big resource for that. I, mean, I consider myself very resourceful in that when people talk about things, I think a lot of people that get have gotten into real estate in the past, it's been, you know, sometimes it's people that haven't, don't have higher education. So, you know, the way we assess as clinicians and the way we do risk mitigation is at another level. Being able to implement some of those transferable skills into this business has been unbelievable. And I didn't even notice I was doing it. And if you don't mind, I'll give you one little story. When I was doing a private lend, so I was lending money to an investor, they gave me, uh, so they gave me the paperwork. And of course I took it and shared it with my lawyer. You know, my lawyer came back with some questions and then I myself had some questions. And I think my questions were pretty deep because of having done accreditation for nursing facilities, accreditation for other companies. I, you know, a lot of risk mitigation. And interestingly enough, that investor to who this day I still do business with and actually co-founded a company with her now, it said to me, you are the person that has asked me the most questions ever when I've done a private lend. I've never had someone question me so much. And at first I was taken aback a bit, but she just said, it's good because it's actually strengthened my answers. And for me, I realized like, hey, that's, that's excellent because it decreases that fear of getting into something like investing, which isn't something I studied in school. Let's be honest. And my parents did the school of the real estate investing of hard knocks. They had no systems. It was just kind of, you know, get into it because you know, this is a, a way to move forward. So the masterminds have been great. Um, it brings me to a level of accountability and momentum, and it also allows me to inspire others. I've also, as you know, am a Smith Maneuver Ambassador, and I'm actually the program uh, well, director. Let's yeah. let's talk a little, a little bit about that because the, yeah. the audience doesn't know that. So yeah, I know that. Sure. So uh, Julia and I got connected because of the Smith and Maneuver. And so mm -hmm. I, I just recorded that podcast with uh, Robinson an Fantastic. hour before we came on to this podcast. So the, the Smith Maneuver podcast will be published soon, guys. Wait nice. for it. So as you will listen to the Smith Maneuver podcast, you'll say, well, what does it have to do with Julia? Well, <laughs> Julia, please give that story. Yeah. So I have become, um, actually, I was the first ambassador for the Smith Maneuver in Canada. I worked with Robinson to put the program together. And what it is, is basically as an ambassador of the program, it's someone who wants to educate others on this mortgage strategy. And um, it's an opportunity to meet more people in my world of um, investing and in the world of finance. Because as a healthcare professional, one of the challenges has been that, um, you know, people around me just who are in healthcare, 
they, some of them, they have a growth mindset. Absolutely. But a lot of it is focused in our clinical base. It's not a growth mindset outside of clinical. And um, so it, this is, you know, the Smith Maneuver Ambassador Program has allowed me to kind of broaden that um, base in terms of uh, networking with many different people. Um, and it's also been really great because I've just learned way more about mortgages. I've learned way more about being strategic and leveraging which has been a complete asset. Um, so yeah, so that's been wonderful. And I love now people like yourself who want to also um, be part of it. I love bringing them on and doing some mentorship around that. And then the other thing I've done is I've just co-founded a company with uh, two other investors. So combined, we have 63 years of experience investing. Of course, I'm on the tail end of that because they've been in it longer than I have. And um, our we've uh, co co-founded the ACE Life Project. And the idea behind this is it's an education-based um, project that is on achieving, connecting, and elevating to your highest level in life. And the primary premise, as much as we are real estate investors, the primary thing that all of us have realized that has led us to success in investing, because we've all come from different backgrounds. One's a photographer, one used to be an ex-Vancouver um, police officer, has been our mindset. And so this entire project is focusing on mindset and what we call the soft skills. The soft skills that sometimes we don't pay enough attention to, but we've realized that that's actually what's kind of projects us forward and allows us to take on bigger and bigger projects. So I'm talking about like resilience when things go sideways, um, emotional intelligence, uh, communication, negotiation, all the kind of things you need if you're dealing with tenants or you're dealing with uh, a mortgage broker, you know, same type of thing we would be doing if we're dealing with other professions in our clinical world right? You kind of have to have a lot of the soft skills as well. And I think there's not a lot of emphasis put on those. And in my personal opinion, and, you know, uh, my uh, colleagues' opinions, you know, mindset and the soft skills are actually what creates the confidence and it creates the ability to just keep going. So, so yeah, so those have been say, a few of the projects. Oh, very nice. And when you say that you've created this company, is this a a, a company that teaches people those skills or what is this company doing? I'm trying to figure out what that was. Yeah, for sure. So the idea behind it is um, we're an, it's an education, education based and it's about focusing on uh, what your goals are and how do you, how are you going to achieve them? What's the momentum you're going to have? And part of it is no matter what you think your, your goals are, writing them down or using SMART goals, which we as clinicians are very familiar with, isn't enough. It isn't enough. And we've realized that you have to have strong values, strong beliefs. And so, yeah, it's a program that you would be um, part of that um, provides you the opportunity to really dig, do a little bit of inner work so that you can, what you produce on the inside, sorry, what you produce on the outside is reflective of who you are on the inside. So if I had to give you an example of something is, a lot of us make goals for the year, but the reality is, is when you accomplish a lot of goals or you accomplish your yearly goals, I, I hate to admit it because I fell into this trap is um, I'm kind of like, okay, great. Now what? And it, it, there's, there's just not a bigger vision. And what we've realized is that when you're focusing on your future self, 
there's way more value to it. And especially in investing, because a lot of times people invest and they just invest for the here and now. They're like, okay, oh, it's 15%. Oh, that sounds high. Let me invest in that. But the truth is, is, is that investment really going to help you for who you need to be in the future, or for where you're going in the future? So this is all of this encompassed with, of course, strategies around real estate investing, strategies around just investing if you're doing private lending, joint venture deals. So, of course, all of that will come into play. But we really want to emphasize the, the ability that you have to stay in that growth mindset and you, the soft skills have to be, you really got to keep working on those. So, yeah. So, if I understand well, this component of the business is about mentorship and coaching. Um, you got it. You've got the other business, which is the mastermind, which is more of the nuts and bolts of real estate investing. Bingo. Right? You nailed it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Got it. Got it. So you said a few things that I think is very important. Um, you know, growth mindset is very important. Emotional intelligence, which I have none, um, is very important. Uh, and finally, I think you said something um, that was extremely important was knowing your future self, what is it that you're doing this for? And this brings back to Simon Sinek. You know, Simon Sinek. Yes, very much so. Understand your why, right? Yep. So if you don't understand your why, you're going to be investing here, there, haphazardly, very chaotic. Whereas if you understand why, it's not that 15% you're trying to chase, right? It's really not that. It's if you're investing in this way because you want to chase something that is bigger than the 15%, what is that why? And um, unfortunately, we're not trained that way, right? Uh, As healthcare professionals, we're not trained that way. We don't manage our life that way. And we don't manage our financial life that way either. Mm -hmm. And so that's why in my podcast, I talk a lot about strategy and the why. Why are you doing this? And what is the strategy? Otherwise, um, we do what I used to do. I buy a, a stock here. I buy a bond there. I buy a building here. And I buy a life insurance there. And nothing comes together. It's very chaotic. And so you what it. you're doing is putting all that together and giving people a sense of uh, a, a roadmap. So just to go from an OT <laughs> to now what you're doing, this real estate investment, this mastermind, this coaching, what were the challenges for you? How did you get there? Like, were you yep. born knowing how to do a mastermind? I, I even asked him, like, how do you even do a mastermind? How does that work? So where, where were those challenges and how did you overcome them? Yeah, no, it's an excellent question. Um, you know, I think my primary challenges were that I had one identity. I was an OT and I, everything was riding on that. Everything was riding on the fact that I was an OT and I had done very well in the profession and, you know, uh, always seeking something, learning something. I really embraced the lifelong learning and, um, you know, how were people going to see me otherwise was always kind of a, a bit of a something that was kind of always tugging at me. And, um, you know, part of it was, you know, I went into science for a reason. Like I wasn't strong in math, but yet real estate's all about math. But truly what I've discovered over time is it's a story I've been telling myself. It's, you know, honestly, it's just something that I told myself that, yeah, you're not good at that. So you're good at this. And in reality, when I broke through that and when I, you know, really focused on, hey, you know what, 
There's no reason why I can't do something. I've already accomplished something. I've already done something. So to be honest with you, one of the way I came over my challenges was I reflected on what were my accomplishments already? What have I already accomplished and how did I do it? And why don't I take the same training wheels and put them on and go do real estate? And that's exactly what I did. Um, and a lot of people always say, oh, you must have gone back to your parents and talked to parents. No, because we do it completely different. Both of us have done real estate completely different. So it wasn't necessary. They gave me the drive and the work ethic. Absolutely. Um, but it wasn't that. So, you know, having that mentality that, hey, I've done, I'm, I'm already accomplished. There's no reason why I can't do it somewhere else. And I need to give it the same focus. Um, another challenge, I think, was people, was growing a network, because truly, um, I was in a world of clinicians, right? And, um, you know, we really focused a lot on doing our clinical and going to all our education was going to, um, you know, things on wheelchairs, wound management, like you name it. Um, so there wasn't a great opportunity to go outside of that. And, you know, I started to do the same thing. I started to do education. And I started to join some networking groups and started to meet people who were, you know, in all walks of life, like a pilots, um, police officers, nurses, like you name it. And I was like, hey, we all have a different interest. So that was kind of where I got this piece that I could be accepted. This could work. It's okay. We have other interests. We have other things we're doing. So that was a big one for me. And um, being a lifelong learner, learner, it was so easy because I just loved it. I just, I was able to go and get challenged by something else. So yeah, so it was, uh, I'd say probably the confidence and the networking were the two biggest challenges initially. And um, once that kind of started to, I, I answered the confidence with education and the networking by going to actual, instead of just, you know, educating myself on YouTube or, you know, spending time just with myself, like taking an online course. No, no, no. I went out and put myself in situations and, um, you know, asked questions. And it was okay to ask a stupid question because it wasn't stupid. Half the room was thinking it anyways. Right. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I'd say those were the greatest ones for me, for sure. I mean, I, I'd add to that. Uh, just not, not what you're saying is not true. I just want to add to the fact that, you know, you said, uh, I'm more than just an OT, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I've I've had all these accomplishments. And as we grow older, and forget about the fact that we're healthcare professionals, but as we grow older, we stop dreaming, right? Uh, and so I I'm I'm trained to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor, and I love to do this thing on the side. But no, 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 I have to be a doctor, or mm -hmm. you know, I love to do this thing on the side. No, no, but I have to be a nurse. What would people think of me if I do this on the side? And and to this day, like even now, as I'm doing my podcast and as I'm talking to my colleagues about personal finance and insurance and real estate, they all look at me if I had four eyes, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. yep. Voo, who are you? Well, we don't know you anymore. And, and sometimes I feel embarrassed. Mm. Uh, sometimes I feel like, yeah, I should be a doctor. I should be talking about medicine. I should be talking about the New England Journal of Medicine and the newest, you know, whatever pill they come out with COVID and ivermectin. You know, I, I should be talking about that, but I'm not. I'm talking about, you know, pensions. And, and people look at me funny. And for a fraction of a second, 
I feel embarrassed because mm. yep. as healthcare professionals, we're not supposed to be talking about money. We're not so, supposed to be talking about finance, but but I, I have allowed myself over the years to dream. Uh, and Vu, I have to tell you, um, I, I, I sympathize with you greatly for sure uh, in that kind of like that fear of do I say it or not? And, you know, when people say to me, um, you know, especially in uh, right now in some of the nursing homes and stuff, they're like, oh, Julie, can you come more? I'm like, nope, I only do this part time now, um, you know, because I, I have other interests. I have other things that I do. I have other things I'm working on. Here's the irony. How many times do they ask me what it is? And I say, well, I do some real estate investing. And they're like, oh, really? How do you get into that? Well, we should, do, can we have a call? And now I realize, boo, I've gotten to a place where now I want to say it because there are people who want to learn it. They just, don't see, they, they can't create that path for themselves. And so now I'm way more comfortable with, so I've, I've been there and I do have those times still, but I'm way more comfortable with sharing it because I realize that other people, and they'll say things like, oh, my dad told me I should, or or my my friend's doing that. And wow, she did really well. And you know she does, now she thinks she's going to retire early. And yeah, I really need to get into it. So it's just this kind of, we people know about it. And I think people in our world, the clinical world, more than anything, we have the resources to try and do something. And, you know, it it is, there is something. And, you know, I another thing in that time that I took off, I realized life's short. Like I do not have a oh punch card to 99 years old. I just life don't. Life is very short. Yeah. And I can't, there's a part of me that's like, there's so much more out there that I want to learn. And you asked the question earlier, like, how did you do this mastermind? And I, you know, I got to tell you, it was reading different books. I would go to these networks. People would talk about different books and think and grow rich is Napoleon um, Hill's book. And he is the one that kind of uh, introduced the idea of masterminds and it was brilliant. And then I started learning about it because some real estate investors were hosting it. And I was, I joined, one and I was part of it for a while. And I saw the need to expand it and approach the person that was running it and said, I think I can grow this with you. And voila, here we are. And, you know, so, so I think the reality is, is it's now I'm at a place where I just, I just lay it out. This is it. This is what I, this is who I am. It doesn't make me less of an OT by any stretch of the imagination, it doesn't make me less of an OT. I still go and um, take some courses in OT for sure. But at the end of the day, it's way more balanced. Right. Like I'm, I'm probably at the stage where you were maybe back a few years, right? Um, Fair. And, and I have to say this, unfortunately, I'm very excited about personal finance. I'm very excited about talking about finance because I think it's one of the way out of burnout uh, mm-hmm. in our industry. So that's why I'm so eager to talk about it. But not all my colleagues feel the same way. So I do I do get that sense of, you know, you shouldn't be talking about this, Vu. Why are you talking about this? And and I've made to be felt a little bit bad when I'm in front mm-hmm. of them. Um, so I'm still mm-hmm. at that stage where probably yeah. you were back when. Yeah, but you know what, Vu, if I can just give any little feedback or a piece of advice on this one, you can't change anyone. Like oh, the I truth don't. is, is I don't. Yeah. Those that those that are not receptive to it, you know what? I, I at the end of the day, it was just an idea. I just brought it up. 
it's completely up to you how you want to approach it. Right. You hope they don't pass judgment on you. And if they do, Lou, there's there's a part of it that's just kind of like that's a shortcoming on their end. Yeah. Really. Well, I've come, I've come to I've come to to that now is like you you judge me. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I don't care. And and you know what? I uh I've taken that attitude after I went to a restaurant. Mm. Uh, and the restaurant was selling roti, you know. Okay. And there was this uh, this this poster on the wall that really changed my perspective in life. It says, um, "You can't please everyone. You're not a roti." <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and after I read that, I'm like, "You're right. I'm not a yeah. roti. I'm not here to please everyone." Right? Nope. Uh, no. Now, the other thing that you've said that was, I think, very interesting is you took upon yourself to go and network and take courses and learn and all that. And this is something that we don't do very well in healthcare. We we go and take courses for CME because mm-hmm. we have to keep our credit. So we pay to go get those credits uh, to 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 have our accreditation as a nurse, as a doctor, as a physio, as an OT, whatever. Yep. We're, ha- we're sort of happy, quote unquote, happy or made to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when you when you say, hey, I want to learn about how to create a mastermind. I want to learn how to invest in real estate. Well, I don't want to. It's, it costs too much, right? It's, it's $3,000. No, I'd rather, you know, do whatever. And I can you teach me for free or can I have it for free? And yet people don't understand it's, it's still, it's still learning. It's the same way you pay tuition to become a nurse, the same way you pay tuition to become a doctor, the same way you pay tuition to become an OT. It's just another phase in learning, but people don't equate that. Uh, And and for you, bravo for you to say, no, I, I, I'm a lifelong learner. I need to learn this and I'm happy to pay for this because there's another way to pay for it. You pay for it through the school of hard knocks. Yep. Right. Yep, you either pay for it formally or you pay for it through the school of hard knocks. Yeah. Which, which in essence then just created stress and you know what I mean? Like there's no, it costs more. yeah. Going down that path doesn't. Uh, yeah. I think I learned that one, one too many times in other things. I'm not going to do it, but I think part of it too is, is I, you nailed it when you said like I became a certified regulated, okay. A regulated healthcare professional. How? I took education. It cost me money to to do it. Off I went. Why would I think different? Why would I think that I should get everything for free? And listen, there's a lot of free stuff. Let's let's be honest. There's a lot of free stuff that can definitely teach you the basics and can get you kind of thinking and asking questions. Please engage. Amazing. But if you are going to take it to another level, I do think, yes, it has to be. Some of it has to be paid because that's where you get people's real kind of experiences, their tips, their, re- their um, resources. Like you get people's joint, joint venture agreements. I want to look at a joint venture agreement. How's that different from the one I got from the one that I'm actually investing in? You know, um, uh, lots of kind of, um, you know, a lease, for instance. Your lease is probably different from my lease. I let me check them out. What you know? So, and those things don't come free because people have paid for them themselves. And you know what's also really interesting is is when I made the comment about one of my challenges being the confidence piece. When I ventured into the idea of so I I do buy and holds, buy the property and 
rent it out. But um, I also do private lending because I don't want a second a second job in the sense of like where I'm hustling 24-7 with the tenants and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I have a few of those. But then the other side of it is I do some private lending. And, um, you know, I was like, ah, oh, that's really scary. How do I private lend? And the irony is, is prior to that, I kind of just gave my money to a financial advisor. And I went, yeah, go, go ahead, do what you will with it. And didn't put a lot of effort into learning anything about that. But I did a bit of a reverse engineer type of scenario. I took a course that private borrowers, so people who are borrowing from private lenders, Mm -hmm. would typically be in this course. And they're in the course to learn how they should put their deals together and how they should present them. And I actually took that course knowing that I wasn't going to be putting the deals together, knowing that I would be on the other end lending some of the money so that I would understand where they're coming from and like really know both sides of the tail. Makes sense. Yes. And I've got to tell you, Vu, expensive course, but man, is my approach when someone's presenting something to me, my approach is very much on a, like, not a nerve, like I'm, there's, I don't have the nerves anymore. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. I totally understand this. And if I don't, I just go back to my reference. And that course was actually taught by a lawyer, a real estate lawyer Mm -hmm. who is incredible. And, you know, you know, a lawyer is not going to charge like cheap. It's not five bucks. No, it's not going to be, but it's well worth it. Because again, then I could move forward with clarity on how do I make a decision on what I should be getting Clarity, confidence with direction, right? You got it. And, um, and with that, you're going to make less mistakes. And uh, those mistakes that you make over time cost a lot of money. And I'll tell you something else, Vu. If I do make mistakes, if there is a mistake, I will have a network of people and a team that I can help that can help me rectify it. And right. that's the other thing. You do the same thing at work as a healthcare professional. Even if we do make a mistake, there are people that we can go to and we consult with prior to the mistake or after the mistake. You go to people and you discuss it and say, okay, how do we rectify it? Again, same thing, yeah. right? It's yeah. just a different dish. That's right. it. But, you know, yeah. and, and unfortunately, we're not trained that way outside yeah. of of medicine and, and right. uh, healthcare, unfortunately. So anyways, thank you for sharing all that. I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you, so now that you've got all this under your belt and you're still learning, hopefully, uh, we're always learning. Someone someone might like myself and say, Julia, I want to do X, Y, Z. I'm, I'm a nurse, but I'm, my interest is in this thing and I want to do X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. Share with me a few golden nuggets of how I would go about it. And again, general stuff that you can you can dish out any day without knowing what that other thing could be. What are the things that are useful for people um, that want to take on a non-clinical job or non-clinical type of work? What I would say to someone who wants to venture into something new, be it if they want to be an active investor or a passive investor, right away, the first thing I'd say, and this is what I always do books. Right away, it would be going to books. And part of it is because books are a lot of um, nonfiction books are historically what people have done over time. And usually what I do is, is I look for things that speak to what I'm trying to learn about. So if I, let's just take an example. If I'm trying to learn about um, joint venturing, I want to do, I don't want to do the real estate where I'm painting the houses and all this type of thing, but I want to be in a joint venture. 
I would look for some books that were about joint venturing, and I would look for things that are Canadian. If I was going to invest in the U.S., I would look at American um, books. But that's one thing in something like investing or finances, you always got to consider where's the resource coming from. We as clinicians know how to delineate. We, you know, we're critical thinkers. We know how to delineate literature already. Use those exact same skills and put them in this. Um, and so that would be a starting point. Um, Facebook groups, there's a ton of Facebook groups out there that one could join, regardless if it was stocks, if it was real estate investing, whatever it is. And I would be looking at kind of what are some of the things other people are asking and trying. My biggest thing would be networking, trying to network with people who are doing the same thing. You made a comment about being excited about meeting me. I'm super stoked about meeting you because here you are a doctor and you're running in the same kind of headspace I'm running in. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is like fantastic. I've only other met one other OT who does uh, real estate investing. I have met some several nurses um, and I've met a few dentists um, and an ophthalmologist. But I mean, it's far and few between. So networking, because you, you'd be amazed and surprised how many people have some similarities that you have. And it might not be the clinical similarity, but it might be something else. And, you know, trying to figure out who I read this great book last year, and it's my it's my number one book for last year um, was Who Not How by Dr. Benjamin Hardy and uh, Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan is yeah. actually out of Toronto. He's a strategic coach. And um, Dr. Benjamin is a psychologist. And the whole book was about don't worry about the how. Worry about who, worry about who you need to know. And if you think about it, Vu, in our life, even you getting into med school, me getting into OT school, whatever, who did we know that kind of told us about it? Who did we know that supported us? It's the exact same thing. It's the same thing. So who can you tap into? If you bought a house and you have a real estate investor, uh, sorry, a real estate agent that you really enjoyed working with, why not call them? You talk to a mortgage broker at some point, you talk to your bank at some point, call them as a starting point. Absolutely. Find people who are actually doing what you want to do, but then moreover, who are focused on that. I don't need to be the expert. I'm an expert OT. I don't need, self-proclaimed, <laughs> but I don't need to be, I don't need to be the expert in every realm of investing. I just need to have people around me who I feel comfortable with, who I trust that I can go to, to make these transactions happen for me and for others. Right? That's an important point. That's an important point. And that's what stops most of us, right? That's what stops most of us because I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I'm a physio. I understand this. I don't understand real estate. I love real estate. I don't understand it. Or I, 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 I would like to do coaching, but I don't understand it. Or I, I want to invest this, but I don't understand it. And because of that fear, it stops us in our tracks. That's right. right? Uh, but to be successful, the most successful leaders that I've seen are not the expert. Yeah, I they know. Are people Very true. who know how to leverage other people's expertise. They absolutely. themselves are not the expert. Absolutely. And so you make an absolutely great point. You don't have to yep. be an expert at what you want to do. You just need to gather the people who know what they're doing. Yep. Right? And a great example is how I started the mastermind. As much as I knew the concept of mastermind and I participated in one, I was in one with a leader who I saw was super busy. And I was kind of like, hey, I can help out. 
And it's just grown from there. And um, and even you spoke about Robinson at the beginning of this um, at the beginning of our chat. You spoke about Robinson. Same thing. I reached out to Robinson and was like, hey, this is amazing. You know, how can how can you get this out to more Canadians? And he's like, well, I've been thinking about an ambassador program and bingo off we went and off I helped him with the program. And here I am as his like program director for the ambassadors. Amazing. Like just really cool, cool opportunities. And it really is that. And, you know, I also believe like when you give, you get in droves. Mm. Definitely. And I've felt like that as an OT. I feel like that with family. I feel like that in the investing world, the more I put out um, and not have expectations, just opportunities just knock at my door and I'm very fortunate and I'm, you know, grateful for it for sure. I'll add one more uh, point that you sort of made, sure, uh, but didn't really say um, <laughs> mentorship and coaching, yep. right? Uh, what led you to your success is finding the right people, finding the right network, yep. but asking them to say, Hey, I want to learn from you. Yeah. Right. I want Absolutely. to learn from you. Uh, and and whether it's free or paid, I want to learn from you. And you've done a few of these where you yeah. you've attached to a, a mastermind group. Uh, you've attached to um, uh, Robinson's group. You've attached to other people and say, listen, I want to learn. How can you teach me? So yeah. that 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 request for mentorship and coaching is is extremely important like Actually, I, i'm a doctor I and emerge doc i i know about emergency medicine what do i know about real estate so i had to go out and get yeah. mentors i had to go out and get coaching i pay yeah. for some of that coaching same like say, same right yeah. i i i bought books and read about real estate but when you have a coach that teaches you how to not make the mistakes that you're going to make in real estate that's priceless but it Absolutely. also takes you to the next level much faster. Because and they're focusing now- on you. They're right. focusing on what you want, not what 20 of us or 200 of us in a room want. Listen, that education is great. Just no different than going to a lecture. You go to a lecture, there's 200 people here. Awesome. We all learn the same thing. But as soon as you get a coach and you pay for a coach, and God knows I've paid for many, um, then it's focused on exactly what my vision is. Because that's the point. The point of the coach is that they're they're interested in what I'm doing and what I want to pursue and giving me tips and guidance or or even in the case of some of the real estate coaches, they're giving me access to their network. Absolutely. Which then, my gosh, the half the battle is done You're because done. I'm not looking around scrambling. So right. yeah, no, I believe in that too. And and you know, again, no different than our professions, right? You paid for a prof to teach yeah. you stuff. No different, right? Well, thank you very much, Julia. Uh, It's been delightful. It's been uh, really uh, insightful as well. Uh, Before we leave, uh, one maybe burning thing that you have on your chest that you want to tell my audience, what would that be? Knowledge is not powerful without action or implementation. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Julia. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. Another conversation with another healthcare professional mutant who has gone into another industry in finance. And this just happens to be in real estate, but it could be in many other aspects of non-clinical work. 
So if you have enjoyed this particular podcast, please share it with your friends, your colleagues, your dogs, and your cats. If you have any feedback, please email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.